All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Just want to say it's a privilege to have everyone here in the house in Florence. Can we give it up for our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg? Man, we love you guys so much. So thankful what God is doing in Lawrenceburg and here in Florence as God just continues, man, to give us opportunity to reach people here in, uh, in Middle Tennessee and uh, North Alabama and around the world. So, man, we love you guys. Just want to say welcome to all of our VIPs. If this is, again, your first time here or you're worth watching online, we want to say to everybody, listen, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, which means no matter what you're going through, what your challenge is, your issue, your struggle, we believe that if you'll give Jesus an opportunity to work in your life, you'll be glad you did because he can change any life given the opportunity. Come on, does anybody here believe that because you've experienced it? Can we give God our best praise? Come on, if you've experienced God's goodness in your life. Well, listen, so several weeks ago, I had come out of my house, and uh, my daughters park in the driveway, and I park in the garage because I pay the mortgage. <laughs> and so I come outside, and my, my youngest daughter, Lauren, who she's up in Lawrenceburg, woo -woo, come on, give it up for Lowe. She kills it as our guest service director up there. So Lauren's car was outside parked in the, in the driveway. She had left, and I happened to notice, just glanced down, and there was a large puddle of oil sitting where her car was just sitting just moments ago. And so I called her real quick, and she said, Dad, I just got my oil changed, which told me, I know a little bit about cars, that had it been leaking oil just previously, certainly the mechanic under the car would have noticed it and said something. And since they didn't notice it, they caused it. And so my assumption was that they probably did not put the oil filter on tight enough. And so I said, you need to go back to the place you got your oil changed, tell them it's leaking oil. And that was actually the case. They did not tighten the oil filter uh, tight enough, and so it was leaking oil. The crazy part was, fast forward about two weeks after that, I walked back outside, almost the same scenario, and there is another large puddle of oil, even larger than the first, in my driveway. And this time, it's not sitting where Lauren parks. It's sitting where my other daughter, Kayla, parks. It's crazy. Sure enough, I asked her, and she said, Dad, I just got my oil changed at a different place. And so I said, listen, you need to go back, and you need to tell them you're leaking oil. And sure enough, they had also forgot to tighten the oil filter tight enough. The crazy part was, if good old Dad hadn't caught it, they probably would have burned up their engines and would have never known it was somebody else's fault. Come on, let's give it up for Dad's. Come on. Woo. Now, here's my point in that is my daughter showed up at different locations to get a pretty basic, uh, pretty basic thing done to their cars, and they drove away believing, having faith that the person who worked on their car did a good job. Now, think about it. For all of us that have ever gotten our cars fixed, think about how much faith we place in auto mechanics. First of all, we have to trust that they know how to fix our car. Right? That they actually are trained. They know what to look for. They know what they're doing. We put trust in that they'll actually fix the car. Not just they know what they're doing, but they'll actually do what they said they'll do and not just, you know. And then once they do it, we have to trust that they're going to charge us a fair price. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's a lot of faith to put into somebody. But did you know that our relationship with God is built on the same thing? It's called faith. That we have to trust the God that we serve is not just, able to, not just able to fix us, but he's willing to fix us. He can fix us. He's a God who's big enough to heal our sickness. He's a God who's big enough to forgive our sin. Yeah. Come on, our relationship with God is all this, that we are saved by faith alone. That's what I want to talk about today for a few minutes is this idea 
that the trust we have, very similar to trusting auto mechanics and so many other people in our world, we put a trust in God. Our relationship with God is built on faith. In fact, not just faith, but this statement that we've been making throughout this series alone is such a key word. It was really captured in the heart of a group of men about 500 years ago. These group of men captured the title as the Reformers. What the Reformers were doing was they were tackling some things that were happening in the local church that was unbiblical, was not correct. The church had lost its way, had begun to teach things that were not correct, had begun to tell the populace, the masses, that you could earn your salvation, you could work for your salvation, you could be good enough to have a relationship with God all on your own, that you could buy the forgiveness of your sin, all kinds of craziness. And so it started with this man, the original OG. His name, Martin Luther, came on the scene. He was the first to publicly challenge the corruption of the church. And following him was multiple men of God who stood up in protest. And ultimately, through that movement called the Reformation, they came out with what was ultimately brought down to five statements, the five sola statements. Sola is a Latin word for alone. Everybody say alone. alone. There's a lot of things we want to add to our salvation. There's a lot of things that we feel like is up to us to save us or to get us to heaven. There's a lot of us that maybe believe or we were raised, tradition told us that it's how good we are. It's what we do that determines salvation and forgiveness. But the reformers came out and said, no, no, there's some things alone that determine our salvation. And these were the five statements. We've been looking at them through this series, Sola Food. I love that title. So, so great. Let's just applaud creativity. Here are the five statements, sola scriptura, by scripture alone. Again, we're not saved based on our traditions and how we were raised and what culture or community tells us. We are saved based on what God's word prescribes alone. We're saved, let's look at this today, sola fide, by faith alone. Sola gratia, we're saved by grace alone. It's a gift that Jesus purchased for us by grace alone. Pastor Adam last week killed it talking about by Christ alone. Christ died for our sins. He purchased the gift of salvation that we access by faith. And it's for the glory of God alone. Everybody say alone. alone. Faith alone is such a powerful way to think. Again, if you weren't raised this way or you don't, and we don't typically naturally think this way. But the Apostle Paul worked so hard throughout all of his writings in the New Testament to continue to communicate this powerful principle that we are saved, you're saved, I'm saved. We get into a relationship with God. We get forgiveness of our sins. We spend eternity in heaven by faith alone. Now, faith alone is in contrast to works. So we're either saved by how good you are, how good God is. We're saved by the gift God gives us or what we work for. But it can't be both. And what Martin Luther was saying, what Paul is going to say, we're going to read in a second, what the New Testament describes is that we are saved, come on, say it with me, by faith alone. There's a lot of places I could have turned this morning, but Philippians chapter 3, I want us to read this together. Come on, Lawrenceburg, read this with me, Florence. He said, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Think about that. That's the contrast that he's measuring out, that you either put your confidence in what you do or you put your confidence in what Christ has done. You have to pick, and it's either or. It can't be both. He goes on, he lays out his resume. He says this, he says, 
though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. He wasn't just a regular one. He's a real <laughs> Hebrew. He says this. He says, if there, ever one, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous. I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law to a fault. What he's doing is he's laying out his resume for righteousness. He's saying, if anybody could earn their way to heaven, it was me. And some of you may not recognize the things on his resume, but basically he's saying, I was a good Jew. I was a godly Jew. I kept God's law from the time I was born. I did everything I could. If anybody could earn their way to heaven, it was me. What he recognized was his culture and society, much like our culture and society and those around the world, especially first uh, world cultures and societies and nations, they live by meritocracy. Meritocracy is that you live and you have based on what your merit gets you, right? That's what the American dream is, that if you work hard, you can have it. That might be under some debate with this generation, but let's just talk about it. A meritocracy based on your merit, based on how good you are. Right? When we're trying to get into college, what do we do? We study for our ACT and SAT scores. What we're trying to do is we're trying to pad our resume to get into our university of choice. We're trying to make sure that all of our scores and all of our grades and all of our extracurriculars and all that stuff is in place because we know if we want to get into the college of our choice, we've got to earn it. We have to get it by merit. When you apply for a job, what do you do? You put a resume together. What is that? That's your merit. You're trying to tell the potential employer, here's why I'm your man, here's why I'm your woman. And you list out all the things that you feel like merit you that job. This is what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, hey, baby, I've got it all going on. And he lists out his resume of righteousness, why if anybody could earn their way to heaven, it was him. And you know what he figured out? Still wasn't enough. In fact, the word, God's word says this, that our righteousness the best you can do on your best day. And how many people know that we don't often live our best day every day? Come on, I got some attitude on some days. I've got some meanness some days. Come on, don't leave me out there. My wife will testify. Don't get her up here. Come on, it's a, it's a, it's, she's going to get a lot of treasure in heaven for living a lifetime with a husky. For real. For real. <laughs> Come on, has anybody got some attitude on some days? You got some... You got some junk in the trunk. You got, some, you got some stuff in your heart. Come on. All of us in this room, and Paul's saying, on my best day, I'm not good enough. Here's what I want you to know as we talk about faith alone, because this is where he's going. He's saying our righteousness is filthy, but God's righteousness is free. You can't have it if you work for it, but God will give it to you for free. God made us righteousness because of a gift. We can't work for it. Come on. Is anybody here thankful for the gift of righteousness? And so, in fact, he makes this statement in Romans chapter 4 with this idea of working for it or receiving it by faith. He says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. He's saying you can believe from God for more than you could ever work for God on your own. And it's just a matter. That's, what we, that's how this whole spiritual journey begins. And it's how it continues. 
how you get in the game of Christianity, how you walk out religion, how you invest in a relationship with God, how you make your way to heaven. It's never anything that we can work for. That's the contrast of faith alone or works. You're either working for it or you've put your faith and trust in God to receive it. Faith alone. And so he looks back over his life and he says, no matter how good I was, no matter how hard I strive, no matter how much I push, I recognize that I always fell below the mark. God is so holy and God is so perfect and God is so good. I could never be good enough, but I could still access forgiveness by faith and by faith alone. Come on, somebody, just by faith. And so he goes back and he has this conversation back in Philippians. He says this. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, he says, I once thought these things, being, a, being good, doing enough good things, keeping the law. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them, come on, by shout that word, worthless. Not worthless to how we help and love people, but worthless in trying to earn God's favor because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And I've become one with him. Come on. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness. Come on, everybody say this. Through faith in Christ. Every voice, Lawrenceburg, read it. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on, come on, what's it depend on? Faith and faith alone. It's by faith. And by faith alone, he's throwing this out there and he's saying, listen, I've started looking at my life and all this stuff that I thought made me good enough. He said, I started discarding it. I started throwing it out because I realized it's not by works, it's by faith alone. Here's how you know if you're by faith. You have to look at your life and if any of you in this room are still counting, did I do enough this week? Had anybody ever here ever had such a bad week you felt like you needed to take a Sunday off? You're like, I, I probably ought to just skip church this Sunday. Like, I don't think the roof's going to fall in, but that screw right above me looks loose. Come on. <laughs> Anybody here? Come on. Have you ever felt like I probably, you know, I might pray, but I'm not sure God's listening because I messed up? Has anybody here ever felt like, you know, maybe God's not hearing you, God doesn't care about you? Anybody in this room ever feel like God's mad at you, that God's upset at you? Do you know why? Because you're looking at your life and what you've done, and you feel like it doesn't add up enough for God to love you. That means you're living by works and not by faith. If you're still counting, you're not in faith. Only thing we are called to count is what Jesus did for me, and he did it once for all, forever, and all time. It is done by faith alone. So stop counting and start believing by faith alone. Faith, what is faith? For a few minutes, I want us to go down this trail and just talk about what faith is. We're saved by faith alone. Again, it's this idea of trust, but what is it? Faith, if you're taking notes, is an intentional decision to trust something or someone to fulfill its commitment. Now, that's just generic. When I talk about trust or faith, we're not even talking about biblical faith yet. We're just talking about just faith in general. All of us, think about it. All of us in this room, we live by faith. We put trust in all kinds of people and things. Like I mentioned earlier, auto mechanics. It's just a faith you just put in people. A better definition, a more simple definition that I want to put in your hearts today that I hope you live with, with uh, for the rest of your life is this. Faith is choosing to live as if. Everybody say, as if. 
That's what faith is, isn't it? It's choosing to live as if. Think about that. That's true in so many places in our life. We just live as if that thing is true, as if you can count on that. Like this chair up here, right? Chairs are a funny thing, especially if you're big, large. I'm a big guy, and I'm just going to tell you, if I come to your house, and I've been to a lot of people's houses, some of you are in this room, been to friends' houses, and you just always have to walk in a room, and I can't always live as if. See, a chair might shout, hey, you can sit on me, I'll hold you up, but I'm not so sure I can trust you. You look suspect to me. This is a chair out of my daughter's room. It's hip, right? It's kind of cool, but I'm not sitting in this. Heck no. If I ever walk in my kid's room, which I do from time to time, we're either going to laugh and have fun or it's about to go down. <laughs> and normally I'll sit on their bed because I'm not, they, a couple of them have chairs like this. There are some chairs that just say, come and sit on me. I got you. This chair is not one of those chairs. Come on, you're not going to sit in this chair because I can't fit in this and sit in this as if it can really hold me up. This is suspect. It's like wicker furniture. If you have wicker furniture, that's all for looks. That's all for show. That is not for support. If anybody's ever sat at, you know that noise it makes? I can interpret that noise, and it's like, get off quick. Come on. Can I get some amen from anybody here in the 200-plus club? Come on. But there's some chairs you can just sit in, you can flop in, and you have no concern, no worry. Like, you don't have to get a leg workout like you're not really sitting on it. You can slide a piece of paper underneath my butt. I'm like, yes, this chair is very comfortable. Thank you. You can live as if it will hold you up. We live as if all over our lives. We walk into a store, we walk into a place, and we purchase something, we get out our debit card, we slide our debit card as if the funds are there and they'll be immediately transferred from our bank to that place we're purchasing it and we can walk out with our product. We live as if anybody here else like me that you get lost and you depend on Google Maps to get you where you're going. We open it up and we tell them, Siri, take me to this address. It opens up Google Maps and it tells us turn left and we follow it to the destination without question. We live as if Google can get us where we're going. Come on, somebody. And I'm just telling you, if we can trust chairs to hold us up, and we can trust debit cards to make our purchase, and we can trust Google Maps to get us to our destination, we can trust a God in heaven as if he's good, as if he's our savior, if he's our hope, to hold us up, to purchase our salvation, and to get us to our destination. Come on, everybody shout, as if. As if. What happened if you started living as if God was really good, as if he was really on your side? as if he was really in your circumstance. What would happen if you started living as if he really had a plan? Come on, if his strength really wasn't up. As if, come on, shout as if. Faith is as if. I believe and I choose to live my life as if Jesus died for my sin, he's my savior, he's made a way to heaven, as if. That's what faith is. What Paul's called us to live to, what Christ has called us to live to, what scripture has called us to live to is to live not based on how good you are, but to live as if. God is good enough, and he's finished the work to make a way for you to begin a relationship, have a relationship, and live forever in relationship with the Savior of the world, as if. What would happen if you began to live your life as if? You say, where do I get some of that faith from? Sounds good. I need me some. Well, I'm glad you asked. We actually have some for sale today at our merch booths at both locations. 
It's colorless and odorless and flavorless, so trust us, there's some in every jar. <laughs> Laugh, there's going to be some fool tele-evangelist selling some soon enough. Don't send your money. Give it to a local, reputable church that are going to do great things for the kingdom together. Amen? Yeah, write that one down. Don't clap, but it's true. Faith, where does faith come from? You might say, Pastor, this sounds great. I would, I would, love, I would love to live my life as if. I would love to live my life trusting God. Where does faith come from? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, God has dealt to each one. Everybody hits, that's an each one, raise your hand. That's each one of you. God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith, which means when you came into this world, Part of what God put and instilled in your nature and your character as a human being was God put in you the capacity to trust. God put in you the gift of faith. Every one of you. He's given every one of us a measure of faith. And the challenge is, and you're saying, well, that sounds great and all, but, you know, where, where's my faith at? And what you need to know is it's not how much faith you have. See, we feel like sometimes, well, I just need, I have faith, but I just need more faith. In fact, Jesus used words, and he would tell some people that they had great faith. He'd look at people and say, oh, you have such great faith. And he would look at other people and say, you're a, you're a little faither. You have little faith. And so our thought is, I have faith, but I want more faith. And I'm here to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, that little faith doesn't speak about the quantity of our faith, but the constancy of our focus. Which means you're not really going to probably ever have any more faith than you have right now. It's what you're going to do with the faith you already have. See, you all have faith, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you love God or not. Every one of us in this room, we have all the faith we need to access all the gifts God gives. It's just what are you doing with the faith you have? See, think about it. Faith is a resource like many other resources God gives us to steward in life. See, God gives us, for example, money. Every one of us in this room, and some of you have more money than others, some of you have less than others, but at the end of the day, regardless of the measure of wealth that God has given you, he's called us all to steward in a way that honors him, which means don't spend it all on you. We should be tithers and givers. We should help people in need. We should have a savings account. We should store up for retirement. We should pay our taxes. That's all a part of God's financial plan. And God holds us accountable and will hold you accountable in eternity with what did you do with the resource of money. He expects you to put it in the right place in a way that honors him. Time. Time is another resource that God's given all of us in this room, and he's given us all a measure of time. Some of you will live longer than others, and some of you will live shorter. We don't all have the same measure, but we will all hold up underneath the same scrutiny. God's going to say, what did you do with your time? I mean, think about it. I mean, I know it feels like time is such a crazy thing. I don't know about you, but like I swear the machines in the gym lie. There's no way I've only been on this cardio machine for three minutes and 17 seconds. It's got to be at least 45 minutes. This thing's lying. And then you can blow through like a season on Netflix. And it's like, there's no way I've been sitting in front of this TV for 12 hours. <laughs> only feels like 30 minutes. I tell my team from time to time, in order for us to steward our time well here at a church, to do what God's called us to do, a reminder I give them is that CEOs from the largest companies around the world live and function in the same 24 hours that we have. Think about that. Multi-million and multi-billion dollar leaders of companies and corporations 
live successfully in the same amount of time that many of us in this room wrestle with. Do you know why they do it well? Because they're stewarding their time well. So money and time, faith is a resource that God's given all of us. And what he's saying is the way you're going to thrive and survive in a relationship with me isn't getting more faith. It's using the faith you have in a way that you steward it well. Where are you placing your faith? Where are you focusing your faith? See, some of us, we're putting our faith in the wrong place, and so it's not that we don't have faith. It's that we don't have faith when it comes down to it to put in God because we've put it in the wrong people. Sometimes we put our faith, a lot of you are putting your faith in what happens in this country, not in God's plan to redeem humanity, but in us getting the right political figure in office. And you have all your faith in the voting system, and you have all your faith in the political system. And those things might work in part in this world, but I choose to believe that there is a God who's bigger, who has all things in order and it doesn't matter who's in office God put him there for a season and a purpose and I choose to put my trust in him some of us are putting our faith in bosses to advance us and while God might use bosses I want you to know something God is your source not that place of employment God is your provider not that place of employment God is the person who would advance you not the boss or supervisor who's over you so we just need to put start putting our faith not in them to see us and recognize us but a God who sees us and sees our faithfulness and sees our diligence when no one else does where are you placing your faith some of you are placing your faith in the ability to get in a relationship for you to go in the wrong place and find the wrong person to spend the rest of your life with rather than trusting God to bring you the right person Where are you placing your faith? God's called us as people of faith to live by faith alone, which means I'm going to put my faith in the currency of heaven. I'm going to trust that God is there as if he's there, as if he's on my side, as if he's got a plan, as if his strength is enough, as if his joy is enough, as if, come on, come on, is anybody here? I just choose to trust him, faith alone. I'll show you this as an example. Watch this. There's a story in the New Testament where the disciples, they're out on a boat, and there's some of them, they grew up around water their whole life. Some of them were fishermen, so like boating was like a, I mean, it was just casual. It was like second nature. And there's a story where the 12 disciples are on a boat, and Jesus, I don't know what he's done. He's had a long, hard day. He's tired. Jesus is asleep in the boat. Some of you know this story. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this storm picks up. It's like they lived in Alabama. Out of nowhere, 71 day, 40 the next. What the heck? <laughs> They're on the water. The storm comes out of nowhere, and this storm is a next level storm. And the waves start rolling. The rain starts beating. The wind is blowing. So much so that water starts to come in the boat. The boat is taking on water. The disciples freak out and they make this statement Jesus, we're about to perish which is a wake-up call. Faith is something every person has. Just each person has to decide where you place your faith. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Jesus responded to their panic that they thought they were going to die. And he asked this question, why are you afraid? Anytime Jesus asks a question, school is in session. Jesus is never asking a question because he needs information. He has all the information he needs. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. He knows where you're at, what you're going through, what you're thinking. So he wasn't asking because he needed information. Anytime Jesus asks a question, it's because he wants us to do some reflection. And so he asks this question, why are you afraid? 
Which if you're a disciple, you're like, are you crazy, Jesus? What do you mean, why am I afraid? Do you not see the waves rolling? Do you not feel the wind in your long, wavy hair? Do you not feel the saturation of the rain? That's, what do you mean why we're afraid? Jesus, look, you're standing in water. We're about to sink. And Jesus says, you have such little faith. You know what he's saying? You have all the faith you need to get out of this, but you're putting your faith, you're putting your faith in the storm's ability to kill you rather your faith in my ability to save you. It's just a matter where you place your faith. It's just a matter what you're focused on. Are you focusing on the waves of life or are you focusing on the Savior? Are you living as if the storm will kill you, as if that situation will overwhelm you? Are you living as if you'll never get ahead in life? Are you living as if you have to work your way to heaven? Or are you living as if God is good, as if Jesus is our Savior, as if he's already made a way to be saved, as if he's with us, for us? Come on, is anybody here? How are you living? Are you living by what you've done or by what Christ has already done for us? As if. And he says, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Class dismissed. So where does faith come from? Everybody already has faith. You have all the faith you need. People say, I want great faith. Give me, give me more faith. You don't, need, you don't need more faith. You really don't. You know why I know? Because Jesus said if you have faith, just a teeny tiny mustard seed worth, you can move mountains. It's not the quantity of your faith. It's the quality of your faith. It's the focus of your faith. It's what you're doing with your faith. It's what you're looking at. Are you looking at yourself to save you? Or are you looking at Jesus to save you? We're saved by faith alone. If you're taking notes, just the last few minutes, the focus of our faith is heightened by hearing. If you want to change the focus of your faith, you can, you can change it. You can adjust the focus of your faith. It's heightened by hearing. That's what church is about. I'm telling you, some of us, and we live in a society and culture, and I get it. Don't anybody be mad at me if you're home watching. I just got to tell you, it's easier to skip church, and our kids have soccer games, and our lives are busy, and everything is happening around us. And so it's easy to go. People right now in our society consider themselves regular attenders if they attend church once or twice a month. Is that enough? Let me ask you. How's the focus of your faith? Because you know what will focus your faith? Heighten your hearing. See, that's, what's worship, that's what worship is about. When you come in God's house and you start worshiping Jesus, I'm not looking at a ceiling. I'm looking past it to a God in heaven, and I'm choosing in the sound of worship to focus my faith. And we sing songs about how good he is and how big he is and how wonderful he is, that I'm going to make it, that God's going to make a way, that I'm going to overcome through worship. Come on. What we're doing is through the sound of worship together, we're focusing our faith. So I don't see the things of this world. I'm not trusting the foolishness of the things around me. I'm choosing to take the currency that God has given me called faith, and I'm putting it in who he is and not who I am. That's what worship does. When you come and you sit underneath the word of God, you know what I'm doing? Right now, I'm focusing your faith. I'm not giving you more faith. I'm taking the faith God's already given you, and we're focusing it on him. Are you going to walk out looking at you to save you, or are you going to walk out of this place looking at him to save you? We're saved by faith alone. This is why you should read your Bible. Hopefully, a lot of us in this room, Lawrenceburg, People online, we're reading the book of Luke together. Do you know why? Do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is a book of Yelp reviews. That's what it is. Google reviews. 
You can go to a restaurant you've never been to, you're driving by, you're maybe in a new area, a new city, you want to grab something to eat, so you Google, Yelp, and two or three restaurants, four restaurants, five restaurants pop up, and what do we do? At least me, I want to see how many star ratings it's got. If it's got, if it's got three and a half or less, I'm out. That means someone found a roach or something in their food, I'm out. If it got four up, I'm in. Do you know what we're doing? We're looking at Yelp reviews. We're looking at other people's experience with that restaurant. And if they've had enough good experience, what it's telling us is I can trust that restaurant. That's all the Bible is. Make no mistake, I shouldn't say that's all it is. It is a supernatural book that as you read it, your faith will come alive. But in the simplest of terms, it's just a, it's just a book of Yelp reviews. Like you read it, and there's a story, right, of this group of 10 lepers that come to Jesus and they're living lives of out, as outcasts. Nobody will accept them. They're re- resisted by society. They can't go to church. And they come to Jesus and they cry out to Jesus to heal them. And Jesus heals not one, not two, not five. Jesus heals all 10. It's a Yelp review. If you're sick, Jesus can heal you. If you're an outcast, Jesus can restore you. There's a man who's sitting by the side of the road. His name is Bartimaeus. He's lived his entire life blind. He's screaming out for hope because he knows that Jesus is passing by. And he's heard the the Yelp reviews himself. And so even though everybody's telling him to shut up and be quiet, he refuses to. And he keeps calling out, Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy on me. Heal me. Open my eyes. And Jesus opens his eyes. It's another Yelp review. I just realized Jesus, he can open blind eyes. And individuals and multitudes, demoniacs came and they found freedom. Sick people came and found health. And over and over and over and over. And as I read the pages of scripture, what I find is there's just a bunch of Yelp reviews. And it says, I can trust Jesus. I can, I can take that to the bank. He's not random. He's consistent. He doesn't help some people. He helps all people. He doesn't heal some disease. He heals all disease. He doesn't forgive some sin. He, he forgives all sin. And as I read the page of Scripture, as I sit in church and I listen to messages, as I stand and I worship God, all it's doing is taking the faith I already have and focusing it on the one it needs to be in. We're saved by faith alone. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing, hearing and worship, hearing God's word, hearing the good news about Christ. So are you living as if? As if he's really there, as if he really has a plan, as if he really is your savior. Are you living as if you need to make a way? Are you living as if you need to be good enough? Faith is living as if. And if you want to have great faith, great faith only sees the potential, the promises, and the power of Jesus and lives as if it's all true. As we close today, how many of you in this room would be honest enough to say, maybe looking at what you do with the faith you have, would say, I need to, I need to put more faith in Jesus. Come on, I want you to just leave a hand up for a second. I need to put more faith. I'm putting my faith in the wrong people, the wrong things. I need to put more faith in Christ. I want us to pray today. And listen, as I close this in prayer, if you're here and you've never put faith in to be, for Jesus to be your Savior, Maybe you've been putting faith in how good you are. You've been counting, am I good enough? You've been looking at how many good things you've done. Am I good enough? Today, as we close in prayer, you need to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, I put all my faith in you to save me. Some of you in this room, you need to pray a different prayer. Lord, I I put all of my faith in you to keep me saved. God, I I don't want to ever count on how good I am. 
put all of my faith in you. Some of you here are going through situations and circumstances and you've looked inward and you've looked outward, but you've never looked upward. And you need to put your faith in Christ to make a way where there seems to be no way. And so, Father, we come today in the name of Jesus, thankful that, God, we all have faith. And we have all the faith we need, but, Lord, I pray that we would steward it well. I pray that, God, we would use the faith you've given us and focus it the right direction, that we would focus on you as our Savior. I pray every person in this building, every person in Lawrenceburg, every person watching online, I pray that, God, you would help us to begin to live our life as if it's all true, that you are a Savior, you are a Lord, you are a King, you are a Shepherd, you are a Healer. You are a provider, as if the potential and the promises and the power of Jesus are all true. And so, Lord, we put our trust and hope in you alone, not in what we've done, but what you've done for us. Father, help us to live by faith alone. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week five of Solar Food.